Alright, so tonight our speaker is actually her first time speaking ever at Friday Fire. And she is our new Philadelphia Church Missions Director, Lisa Kim. Um, if you guys don't know her, please get to know her. Because she is an amazing, amazing, amazing woman of God. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Alright, alright, I want to welcome up Lisa Kim. Hello, church. Thanks for the great introduction, Pastor Emily. And as Pastor Emily shared, it is my first time preaching at Friday Fire, but I'm super, super, some people look confused. Yes, in, indeed, it's my first time preaching at Friday Fire, but it's all good because I, oh my, hi, Alana Schuster. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we have one of our old-time friends joining us for service today. And um, as Pastor Emily mentioned, I serve as the missions director here at New Philadelphia Church, and I'll be bringing the word of God to you today. And it's a very simple message, but I'm super excited to share it with you because literally this message has been burning on my heart for a really, really, really long time. And uh, some of you might know I recently uh, just got back from the missions field. Uh, I was on a 10-day trip to South India and to Sri Lanka, and it was during this trip that the theme, like the gist of this message, was even more solidified in my spirit. So I'm uh, really excited, as I said. And why don't we just get straight into it? Uh, if you're taking notes, the title of this message is Jesus, period. So J-E-S-U-S, comma, space, and then you spell out period, you know, P-E-R-I-O-D. And you could like put a period as well. So Jesus, comma, period, period. Okay, very good. So you can write that down in your notes. And if you want to hear about Jesus, our Lord and Savior tonight, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, tell me about my Jesus. <laughs> say it like you mean it, though. Come on. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, why don't you, if you have your Bibles with you, why don't we go ahead and open up to the Gospel according to John. We'll be focusing on John chapter 14, but I'll give you a little bit of context. Okay. So John chapter 14, I'll give you context starting from about, I guess, John chapter 12, because I'm a big fan of context, you know? These stories, they're not just popcorns that burst, they're, they're within a greater tapestry of God's word. Okay, so the context leading up to John chapter 14, leading up to this point, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the Son of God, he has, he has been doing ministry with his 12 disciples. He's been healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, casting out demons, all that wonderful Matthew 10, 8 stuff. And this is really powerful. This is powerful, amazing ministry. But once we get to John chapter 12, the Pharisees, a.k.a. these are sort of like super ultra Jews. The Pharisees, the super ultra Jews, they devise a plot to kill Jesus. And here it's important to note that the Pharisees, they're not opposed to the miracles or the signs or the, or the wonders that are being performed by Jesus. Rather, they're opposed to who Jesus claims that he is. Because here we know that Jesus is claiming to be the Son of God. And it's because of this claim, this very, very bold claim and declaration, that the Pharisees call Jesus a blasphemer and they plot to kill him. But Jesus, he is not phased. Our Lord and Savior, he is super mushy saw in Korean. 
Like, what do you, what's mushy so in English? It's sort of like, like, macho, awesome. It's not gender specific, so it's not macho per se, right? But, like, Jesus, he is not phased at all. He goes on, he triumphantly enters the city of Jerusalem. People gather around, they're waving palm fronds, and they're shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna, which basically means save. And it's almost as if the people who are gathering around Jesus, it's almost like the people who are welcoming him into the city of Jerusalem, they already knew in their spirits that salvation comes only through Christ. And then, so that's John chapter 12. Let's go on to John chapter 13. All of a sudden, there's a shift in the story. After Jesus washes the disciples' feet, he predicts his betrayal, actually. And he says, I will be with you only for a little while longer. And where I am going, you cannot come, but you can follow later. And then in John 14, Jesus says, don't worry, I'm going to prepare a place for you. You know the way to where I am going. So for us as believers who have the benefit of the entire Bible and the entire gospel story, we know what Jesus is talking about. So he is about to, uh, he's going to be crucified, but then eventually he's going to ascend to heaven and sit on the right hand of the Father. So what he's talking about here is, I'm going to heaven, I'm going to Father. You cannot come right now, but you can come later. Don't worry, I'm going to prepare a place for you. You know the way to where I'm going. Jesus is saying, you know the way to get to the Father. You know the way to get to heaven. That's a little bit of clarification. But I want us to take a pause right here. So like I said, there are things that we know as believers. Right? We know, we sort of get a sense of what Jesus is talking about. But let's put ourselves in the position of the disciples for a quick moment. So at this point, the disciples, they've given up basically everything they have to follow Jesus. And he has been their teacher, he's been their leader, he's been their mentor. And they finally made the triumphant entry into the city of Jerusalem. And the crowds are crying out and really greeting their king and messiah. So it's almost like the story is, is going up to like wonderful crescendo. Like, yeah, like, Lord, we're doing ministry with you. Yeah, we're going into the city of Jerusalem. Yeah, people are acknowledging you. Oh, this is so amazing. What's next? What's next? You know, you can see the anticipation building. But then in John 13, there's a shift. And Jesus says, he turns around to his disciples and he says, okay, um, yeah, so peace out, homies. It's, I'm going to a faraway place. You'll be there soon. You know the way. I'll see you later. Completely like, I think if I were a disciple, I will be completely confused, probably frustrated as well, you know, especially for the fishermen. They just, like, left their nets. They left their business. They left their family, everything for Jesus. And they're investing into him, his ministry and learning from him. And all of a sudden, it's almost like he's abandoning them. But at this point, the Apostle Thomas, a.k.a. Doubting Thomas, uh, he speaks up. And I love it that he speaks up because I feel like sometimes in my Christian walk, there are aspects of Apostle Thomas's personality that I can very much relate to. Because Apostle Thomas, he needs evidence, he needs clarity, he needs proof, you know? Like, Jesus, what the heck are you talking about? So Thomas, he speaks up and he says, uh, Jesus, uh, what are you talking about? Uh, please clarify. First off, we don't know where you're going. Therefore, how can we know the way? What, what on earth are you talking about? Give us some direction. Give us some clarity. Like, we've 
given up everything to follow you. Tell us what the heck you're talking about. And then to this, Jesus replies, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let me read it again. I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this is the verse, John chapter 14, verse 6, that we will be focusing on tonight. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to God the Father. No one makes their way to heaven except through me, except through Jesus. Jesus is saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And it's good to clarify here that whether we're talking about in the days of the disciples, in the days when Jesus was walking the earth, or whether we're talking about our current day in 2014, truth and salvation comes, it cannot be found anywhere else. Truth and salvation is not found in Buddha. Truth and salvation is not found in Muhammad or in Krishna. They are not the way to God, nor are they the way to heaven. Okay, truth and salvation and life, they are not found in self-discipline. Okay, they are not found in being nice. They are not found in community service. Okay, life is not found just in praying and fasting for your perfect spouse and then having 2.5 kids and having an awesome home. Like, that's not salvation. That's not the life that Jesus is talking about. No, it is only through Jesus, 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 and Jesus alone. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the only way to the Father and to heaven. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay, very good. Excellent. Okay, so uh, as I said before, today I'm going to be preaching about Jesus. The only way, Jesus, period. Okay, and we are going to explore why it is Christ and Christ alone that sets us apart from other faiths. And then we're going to go into why every single believer must continually recommit to making Jesus Christ our cornerstone. We must continually recommit to making Jesus Christ a priority, the mission statement in our lives. And before I go into the details, I want you to turn to your neighbor one more time. I'm really big on, like, I guess vocal crowd participation or whatever. But I want you to turn to your neighbor right now, turn to your left, turn to your right, and say, ooh, let's hear about our Savior. Let's hear about our Savior. Let's hear about our Savior. Tell me about my Savior. Okay, very good. Very nice, very nice. Good, good, good. Okay, so, so, a little, <laughs> so a little bit of context for how I came to decide on this topic is I just got back from an epic, super epic 10-day trip to South India and to Sri Lanka uh, with a missions organization called NPWM, or Native Partners for World Mission. And basically, through this organization, we connect Native ministers in developing nations uh, with partner churches in Korea and in the U.S. So this is pretty much representing the next generation of missions work. And this is pretty amazing stuff. Pretty powerful, amazing stuff. And during these 10 days, I was helping to lead a team of MPWM pastors from Korea and sort of helping them cultivate ministry relationships with their native pastors in India and in Sri Lanka. And it was in the midst of this that I came to meditate a lot on Jesus. Pure and simple. J-E-S-U-S. Meditating purely on Jesus. Which brings me to my first point. 
Jesus is the one who sets us apart as believers. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. And I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like there's something about going to missions to unreached areas that really just recenters you in your faith. And you're, brought, you're really brought back to the basics, you know? And you're surrounded by all these non-believers, and your heart's cry is that they become believers. And what's the only way for this to happen? Jesus, right? The Sunday school answer is a very good answer. Jesus, right? It's only through Jesus that they can come to salvation. And um, to sort of fleshen out the truth of the statement, let me give you a random example, random scenario. So let's say that you're given 30 minutes to uh, spend time with an unreached people group. Anywhere, Africa, Southeast Asia, wherever. 30 minutes to spend with an unreached people group. But one thing, you know that the end of the world is tomorrow. Like, like the end of the world is tomorrow. You have 30 minutes with these people. Like Jesus is coming. Everything's going to, he's going to, you know, it's going to be pretty crazy and powerful. But the end of the world is tomorrow. What do you preach to them? 30 minutes, unreached people group, end of the world is tomorrow. What the heck do you preach to them? It's, it's guaranteed that they're going to die. What do you say to them? 30 minutes, what are you going to say to them? Okay? So in this context, it won't necessarily be a message about physical healing. Okay? <laughs> And in this context, it won't necessarily be a message about sonship or the baptism of the Holy Spirit, even though these are amazing truths and amazing principles. In this moment, 30 minutes with people who are going to die tomorrow who don't know Jesus, and those 30 minutes, who do you talk about? You talk about Jesus. Thank you. You preach the gospel. Because it's only by receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior that these people can be saved. Right? And then another example, just to flesh it out a little more. So I guess on this recent trip, I was riding planes a lot. And then I have a very interesting imagination. So this scenario popped to mind. You're on a plane, and something has gone horribly wrong. The plane has nosedived. It's going to make contact with earth and not earth, but like land or sea in five minutes, okay? Five minutes, everyone is going to die, okay? Everyone's going to die. What do you preach during those five minutes? Who do you talk about? Jesus. You preach the gospel. It is only by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior that they are not going to be spending the rest of their lives in damnation and hell, but they will be in heaven. Amen? Amen. Very good. So very clear. Very, very clear. And I want to clarify that it wasn't just you know, it wasn't just being in the missions field in general. It wasn't just, you know, being surrounded by all these non-believers that, that reached, that caused me to meditate so much on Jesus recently. Um, I think it was also as a result of hearing about the level of persecution that is stirring up specifically in the nation of Sri Lanka. Okay, specifically in the nation of Sri Lanka. Uh, our team, we had the honor of interviewing about 15 potential candidates for NPWM partnership. And it was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing and quite humbling to hear the testimonies of some of these pastors and to hear uh, their ministry vision. Because for these 15 pastors, these 15 ministers in Sri Lanka, they are no joke. Like, they don't contain themselves to big metropolitan areas, but rather their heart is to go specifically to Buddhist strongholds where there are no churches, Muslim strongholds, 
Hindu strongholds. They go like straight for Satan's like jugular. You know, they just go right for it. And I said, man, this is this is intense. This is powerful. And uh, for those of you who might know a little bit about Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka has a pretty intense history of civil war and violence. So although the civil war, by God's grace, has ceased very recently, the spirit of violence is still very strong on the island. So therefore, these pastors doing ministry in these strongholds, they are pretty much putting their lives on the line every single day, every single day. And what's pretty amazing is that these ministries, as a result of their heart posture, these ministries are incredibly fruitful, so incredibly fruitful. Because the, the pastor's mentality is, if I die, I want to die preaching the gospel. I kid you not, that's what they said during their interviews. If I die, I want to die preaching the gospel. And then what is this gospel that they're preaching? What is this gospel that they're willing to put their lives on the line for? What does the gospel mean? Gospel is good news. What is this good news about? It's about Jesus, Jesus, right? Our Lord and Savior. It is because Jesus is their mission statement. It's because Jesus is their mission statement. It's because Jesus is who they're preaching about that they're having so much fruit reaching the unreached in Sri Lanka. And... It's important because in Sri Lanka specifically, we're going to spend a little bit more time on this Sri Lanka example. In Sri Lanka, there are so many vibrant faith communities. So many, like I mentioned before. There's Hindus, there's Muslims, there's Buddhists, whatever. And for somebody exploring spirituality in a Sri Lankan context, there are many avenues to consider. You know, you can go to a mosque, you can go to a temple, you can go to a Buddhist house of worship, whatever, which is also a temple, I guess. Right? Yeah. Anyways, but in this context, what makes Christians different from other religions? What makes Christianity stand apart from other faiths? As we said, is Jesus, you know? And what does Jesus represent in a tangible way, in a way that you can communicate to someone who is exploring spirituality? Jesus represents grace, right? Jesus represents unmerited favor. It is through Christ that we get the forgiveness of sins and pretty much a ticket to heaven. And if you think about it, other faiths, they also have a concept of heaven. Okay? They have a concept of maybe an afterlife. But the thing is that you have to work, work, work in order to secure your spot in this afterlife. And even that is not completely guaranteed. And even for other faiths, um, the believers, they try their best to, to work their way up to heaven. But Christianity is the only faith where God takes the initiative and he reaches down to us. Right? He reaches down to us through Jesus, through Jesus, through Jesus. Yeshua, Yeshua, through Jesus, it is he who sets us apart. It is he who sets our faith apart. Amen? Amen. And something to clarify here as well is that even other faiths, this might come as a shock to you, but other faiths, they also have a grid for the supernatural. Right? So, of course, it's all counterfeit. Like, their version of the supernatural is very much counterfeit. It's fake versions of the real thing. But, you know, there are levitating Hindu yogis, and there are levitating Buddhist monks. And I remember, uh, I think a few years ago, I was talking with this Muslim friend of mine, and apparently his brother was uh, battling just very severe depression. And his parents had called in Muslim imams to pretty much lead him through a Muslim, like, deliverance session. So I guess they were casting out depression in the name of, like, Muhammad or something. I don't know. But it wasn't successful. But they do, other faiths do have a grid for the supernatural stuff, you know? And even witchcraft practitioners, they can claim to release physical healing through charms, through amulets, through curses, whatever. 
But then remember, what is it that sets our faith apart? Right? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's the grace that manifests in Jesus. Other faiths, they might have some variation of the supernatural. Other faiths, they might have some variation of heaven. But for us, it is Jesus, the grace and the salvation we find in him that sets our faith apart and therefore sets our identity apart as believers. Amen? So which brings me to our second point. Okay, like I said, this is a very simple message. I want to get through it very efficiently to drive the point home. And you could go and release it more. But point number two, Jesus, it is Jesus who sets us apart as believers. Right? It's Jesus who sets us apart as believers. And therefore, we must constantly make sure that Christ is our cornerstone. Jesus must be our foundation. He is our plumb line. Nothing else. We must have a solid understanding of who Jesus is, not just conceptually, but also who he is to us personally. Okay, we must have a very solid understanding of why we love Jesus and why we follow him. Okay, we must have a solid and continual understanding of how everything we do points back to Jesus. Okay, and there are so many powerful ministries within the church today, and even within our church. But then I feel that as for people who have been walking with the Lord for a long time, there are many times when uh, things that we do for the sake of ministry or for the kingdom can come to somehow like replace Jesus in our lives, if that makes sense. Unfortunately, like ministry can become an idol, right? Kingdom work, that vague phrase, kingdom work, that can become an idol. We spend so much time investing in these things without investing in our relationship with Jesus. You know, so that's something that was really so heavy on my heart. And I feel like it's while I was in India, Sri Lanka, and all these things that God was really, like, piecing this uh, message together. But, you know, have hope, church. Because at the end of the day, Jesus is supreme. Supremacy of Christ is in everything. It's more up to us to open up our eyes to this fact and weave the pieces together. You know, it's not that by saying Jesus is the only way that we're completely shifting our lives. No, Jesus has always been the only way. Jesus has always been the only way. We just have to open up our eyes and have a deeper revelation of that fact in our own lives. Amen? Because, for example, let's look at the healing and deliverance ministry. Very, very powerful ministry, even specifically within New Philadelphia Church. So many lives have been changed through this ministry, which basically sheds light and truth into areas of our past that have been draped with hurt and with shame. So whether we are under bondage to unforgiveness under bondage to lust or to generational curses, these are works of Satan that are canceled in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Very simple. Very, very simple. It is through the blood of the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? It is through the blood of the Lamb and the power of the testimony that we are set free. Okay, what about inner healing? I know that for me personally, I grew up with deep, deep, deep unforgiveness towards my father because of a lot of abuse that uh, he was quite abusive to my mom and to my family. And how did I get inner healing from this past trauma? I invited who into my memory? I invited Jesus Christ into my memory. And I saw, I remember there was this one memory I had from my childhood where I was so scared. My parents were arguing, things were amok, things were crazy. But I invited Jesus into that memory. And what I saw was Jesus just sitting next to me, wrapping his arms around me. And I felt so safe and so secure. Just that one revelation of where Jesus was and what he was doing, that was powerful enough to set me free. Set me free completely heal me of that pain and of trauma okay and it's in inner healing ministry in inner in inner healing ministry it's jesus 
when asked to reveal himself. Okay, what about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Very, very important ministry. Okay, some of you may have experienced this before. Sometimes during a church service, you know, sometimes during a retreat, the presence of God is so strong that, you know, you just start, you just start weeping under the presence of God and maybe you fall under the weight of His glory. It's amazing. It changes your life forever. The first time you encounter Holy Spirit in this way, it's completely unforgettable. But who is it that is baptizing us in this way? <laughs> no, don't just say it because, you know, you want me to, I want you to say it. But uh, even though it's the right answer, let me read to you, let me read to you from Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. And these are words of John the Baptist. John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's Jesus Christ. When you get when you, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus Christ who is baptizing you. It's not just some like ethereal random encounter with like the pre- no. I mean, I mean yes, sort of, right? But it's Jesus. It's Jesus who's releasing it. You know, Amen. Amen. Very good. Let's move on. Supernatural physical healing. Supernatural physical healing. Why are we able to release physical healing? It's because it is by his stripes. Whose stripes? Jesus' stripes. It's by the stripes of Jesus, the lashings that Jesus received on his way to the cross. It's because of these stripes that we are healed. It's because there is power in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Yes. Very good. (laughs) And then finally, even sonship. Okay, sonship is a very strong, important teaching at New Philadelphia Church. Why is sonship so important? It's because it helps us become transformed more and more into likeness of Christ. He is the ultimate son. Oh, my goodness. I'm getting so worked up. Let me take a water break. (laughs) Jesus. Jesus. Okay. And then finally, 2014, it is a year of wisdom at New Philadelphia Church. And why is this so important and what does this have to do with Jesus? Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 to 24. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom, the wisdom of God. Then on and onwards, if you go on to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30, and because of him, God, because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God. Jesus is wisdom. Wisdom is not, like I said, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all these great things, it's not just these random concepts and good things that we ingest. No, Jesus is wisdom from God. Okay, Jesus is physical healing. Jesus is the one who releases the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? Amen. And it's because of supremacy of Christ that personally, for me personally, uh, some of my favorite sermons are the ones that talk about Jesus. Let me be completely real. I love sermons that talk about Jesus, the ones that bring everything back to him. And then there's something in my heart that jumps for joy whenever I hear different preachers preach the gospel. So whether they're from like a super charismatic Pentecostal background or a very like traditional like Baptist background, there's only so much you can waver from the main message of the gospel. You know, so that's something that I love. I love hearing different preachers from different backgrounds preach the gospel and finding unity in that message. I love it so much. And not only that, 
Um, I love praise songs that talk about Jesus. I love praise songs that talk about Jesus. Even like in Christ alone, it's one of my favorite praise songs of all time. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that? Oh. <laughs> no, I really do love this song because when I find myself sort of in the midst of everyday life, sort of, you know, questioning, Lord, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, what's the purpose of this? I take a moment, I just listen to that song, and I just soak to that song, and I meditate on the lyrics of that song, and then my spirit gets so stirred up again, because I'm, I'm reminded very powerfully, very precisely, very sweetly and beautifully of my mission in life, you know? My mission in life is to cultivate my relationship with Jesus and to live for him, basically, right? And... And I feel like the reason why the Holy Spirit sort of really encouraged me and moved me to share this message with you is that I feel that for many of us, whether, you know, church members or church leaders or pastors, lay pastors, people in ministry or whatever, that it's very easy for church responsibilities or it's very, very easy for like spiritual duties to sort of stand in the way of our focus on Christ, you know, and it's easy to forget Sometimes it's easy to forget what all of this is pointing towards. And even though we call ourselves Christians, uh, sometimes it becomes way too easy to lose track of Christ. And I feel like this is something that should never be the case. should never, ever, ever be the case. And the reason why I'm even sharing this message at, at a prayer meeting is that when we pray, we pray to God. But why is it that we're even able to pray to God without being struck dead? It's because of Jesus, you know? And we know that because when we end every prayer, we pray in the name of Jesus, you know? So I feel like in the midst of us praying and interceding and doing all these kingdom things, it's so important to do to have a deeper understanding of who we do all of this for, you know? Who it is that we do all this for. When we pray, who is it that we're praying in the name of? Amen? Amen. Okay, so what I want us to do right now Man, I'm doing so good on time. Praise Jesus. Okay, but <laughs> to shift, to shift the focus, I want us to go into sort of an application time to this message. Okay, I want us to go into an application time for this message. And I want you to all just spend a moment, close your eyes. Super simple, just close your eyes. Yeah, close your eyes. Just stand before the Lord. And, no, like sit before the Lord. <laughs> Stay in your seats, close your eyes, sit before the Lord. And like I shared before, I just came back from an amazing trip to India, an amazing trip to Sri Lanka. And this whole, like, Jesus, period, this message, the supremacy of Christ, the centrality of the gospel message, like this, I mean, it's already been, it had already been burning my heart for a really long time, but I feel like there was a whole new level of conviction that was stirred in my heart after I returned to Korea from this trip. And what I want us to do, each and every one of us right now, is spend some time simply meditate. Simply meditate on who Jesus Christ is to you. Who is Jesus to you? And I want to exhort you to, for a moment, take out the Christianese. You know, Prince of Peace, like, yeah, he is that. But who is he to you personally? Who is he to you as Joanna, as Alana? Who is he to you in your life? Um, I know that for me, you know, I converse with Jesus all throughout the day. I pray in his name. But when somebody asked me, like a few months ago, a really good friend, she asked me, who is Jesus to you? And then my answer to her was, you know, like over the course of the day, being in ministry, I do many things for Jesus. 
But when I think of who Jesus is to me personally, like he's the last person I see before I go to bed at night. That's what I said to her. I said, when I put my head down on my pillow, like the relationship I have with Christ is that no matter how good a day has been or no matter how tough a day has been, I lay down and the last thing I do before I fall asleep is I just talk with Jesus. I said, Jesus, this is what I did today. You know, this is what I did today. I did it for you. You know, are you pleased with me? You know, we just, I just, I converse. That's, that's how I picture Jesus. And that's what I want us to spend some time doing. Who is Jesus to you personally? And I want you to ask the Lord to release a very specific image of who Jesus is. Maybe Jesus is likewise for you, like the last face that you see before you go to bed. You know, maybe Jesus, he's like this manifestation of peace that you find whenever you are in anxiety. You know, maybe he's your best friend who's always encouraging you when you feel discouraged. I don't know, whatever it may be, I want us to spend some time really just honoring our Lord and Savior, not just with our words, not just with our actions, but with our heart. Say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me. Jesus, who are you to me? Just let's just spend some time really meditating on that for a moment. I'll just close this in prayer. Jesus, we thank you so much for this gathering. We thank you so much for this night. Jesus, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us and who you are in our lives. And Lord, we pray that no matter how busy we may get with our responsibilities and no matter how busy we may get with just things that go on day to day, Lord, won't you always continue to reveal who you are, Christ Jesus, Jesus crucified, our Lord and Savior. God, won't you always continue to reveal who you are to us on a daily basis. And God, as we continue to grow and mature in our Christian walks, Lord, won't you continue to open up our eyes to how everything points to you how everything points to you. Continue to open up our eyes to the supremacy of Christ in all things and in all situations, Lord. And I pray right now that you release a fresh grace, God, a fresh grace all across this room, a fresh grace for each and every person here to enter into a deeper and sweeter intimacy with you, Jesus. A deeper and sweeter, a more tangible, a life-giving, edifying intimacy with you, Jesus. We thank you so much, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you so much, Jesus. We love your name. We love who you are. Thank you, Jesus. And we pray all these things in your beautiful name.